Hey guys, it's Andrew here and welcome to the e-commerce field podcast, a show dedicated to helping seven-figure plus store owners build incredible businesses and amazing lives. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm your host, Andrew Udarian, and looking forward to today's discussion because that's with a good, a longtime friend of mine and an original gangster, so to speak, of the e-commerce fuel private community. It's Dana John Zemus of homehealthtesting.com. And, and Dana, Dana lives in Wilmington, North Carolina, and Hurricane Florence hit her business this year. She lost power for more than a week. She wasn't able to ship for close to two weeks. And business came in a lot of ways to a screeching halt. And, you know, in this episode, I chat with her about that experience, you know, what happened. But most importantly, I want to give you a sense of what you should be thinking about, not just for hurricanes per se, but in terms of having some kind of disaster plan for your business, whether it's a hurricane, an earthquake, a flood, you know, stuff happens, right? And obviously by the nature, it's it's not something you're usually planning for. And with some planning, you can minimize the downtime and potential damage. And without any planning, you can you know, you know, best case scenario, piss off a lot of people for late orders and worst case scenario, something much more drastic. So yeah, we talk about which of the two major shipping carriers really, she thought did a great job and which one really wet the bed and, 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 you know, what that has meant for her shipping going forward. We talk about how she manages, you know, internet and power, the the super important things on her checklist. A lot of them relate to your, you know, to employees that you may have. We talk about, you know, what you need to be thinking about. And there's a lot of things that I didn't think about that she went through. So hopefully, hopefully it's something you can, you can use to put together your own, uh, your own plan for the future. I want to give a shout out to our two awesome sponsors who make the show possible. First, to the team over at Clavio, who lets you build meaningful relationships with your customers by understanding and responding to personal cues from them. So you can send them a right email for a product they're actually interested in, an upsell product, potentially an accessory, like maybe you're retargeting them when they've been on your site and they haven't bought and you know that. And so you can send them the perfect email series software that makes you be able to drive the sale or the action that you want. And they've got 10,000 merchants using it. It's definitely the most popular email software for e-commerce among members of our private community and tons of cool features they've rolled out recently, like expected time of next sale, customer lifetime value, all sorts of cool AI style stuff. So if you're not using them, you're almost certainly leaving money on the table and you can get started for free at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Clavio. And then secondly, a big thank you to the team over at Liquid Web. The best place to host your WooCommerce store if you want it to be in good hands. So, you know, traditionally you've had the choice of either going with a SaaS option and not being able to customize your cart or going the route of hosting your own cart and having to get a degree in IT and server management. That's not my, you know, that. It's not really what I want to do. I'm guessing it's not what you want to do either. You probably want to grow your e-commerce store. So they make running a WooCommerce store easy, simple, scalable, and secure. So if you're on WooCommerce and you want to learn more about them, check them out. They've got a really cool offering starting as low as $39 a month at ecommercefuel.com forward slash liquid web. All right, let's go ahead and get into today's show. Dana, so you were just mentioning before... Before we started recording, that it's been it's been two months to the day. Two months, uh huh. Since when the the hurricane rolled through, right? Yep. That's crazy. And this was just I think most people know, but which hurricane? Tell people what hurricane this was for a reminder. Hurricane Florence, and I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina, and it hit most of the North Carolina and part of the South Carolina coast. And what kind of you know what kind of damage just after the fact? How badly hit were were your homes, were your business, and I guess maybe for even better context, how close was the eye of the hurricane to you guys? So 
part of the eye came over our area and this storm was um, damage was mostly the flooding and extensive rain that we had. The problem was the storm did not move. Once it got here, it sat for about a day. That was where it was much worse damage than you should expect for a Category 1. And for a Category 1, this should have been like a day event, you know, maybe a weekend cleanup. But it, it, it was much worse. And so you had about, you definitely had some damage, could have been much, much worse, but you maybe had, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars worth of damage to each, you know, to, to, to the properties that you own, including your residential properties, and then you're also your business. So definitely damage, but probably almost in that, that kind of zone where it probably doesn't even hit the deductible or barely touches it, right? No, yeah, we didn't hit a, the deductible on any of our properties but and then hurricane deductibles are kind of weird. They're a percentage. They're not the same as works very different. But we had a little bit of tiny damage on everything, but nothing that was catastrophic. And people, some people lost truly everything. Flooding around here was horrible, horrible the, oh, throughout the whole state from the storm. And that's where people lost you know, neighborhoods, entire neighborhoods would flood and they had never flooded before. And we're talking, you know, several feet of water in their homes. So they lost everything. So we were really lucky for having four different properties in this area that none of them had that issue. Yeah, really glad you guys got escaped without worse damage. So from a business perspective, do you, I mean, you live, you alluded to the fact you've been through a lot of these. This is not something that's, that's, that's super rare on the East Coast where you're at. Do you have, for your business, do you kind of have a, a plan, an emergency plan where when this something like this is coming, you guys kind of have a, a MO of what you guys do in terms of checklist of, of preparing for it, both in terms of like protecting property, but also thinking about business operations? Because as we'll get into in, in a few minutes here, it kind of wrecked havoc for you on the back end. Yeah, we have a pretty good checklist that we go through, and we've added some more things to it after this storm. There were some errors that I made, some things I didn't that haven't been on the checklist that now are. But one of our basics that covers home and work is kind of, it's just like going camping, and you can relate to this. Like, your disaster plan really is like camping, no power and limited internet. And how are you going to deal with it? You know, I mean, you're used to that with being in the backcountry camping and you've, you've got to really think hard about which electronics need charged, how are you going to charge them. So we, our camping skills help us in disasters because <laughs> we have a generator for camping and it's, you know, a business deduction because I do use the generator when we have storms. So, and I'm comfortable, you know, with that, you know, thinking that way. Charging everything pre-storm is a is a big deal. Having lots of backup power to recharge anything when it's, because it's kind of unsafe to run your generator during the storm, you know, depending on your setup. So we don't typically run the generator during the storm. And on this storm, the storm stayed so long. So normally you only have, you know, six hours of really unpleasant weather or eight hours at most, but it was longer on this one. But then post-storm, that generator comes into the office and powers, you know, at least one computer, fans, and gives us a recharging station, which is important. So, and then we also have backup internet that I pay for year round, whether I need it or not. And that is really helpful because we run 
everybody's business would be different, but my business, we, you know, ship and have a warehouse and computers and people here. We're not an outsourced business. So, you know, I've got 12 employees here. So internet, our computer system is a networked system. So internet runs through the network and getting, so like a hotspot just doesn't cut it for us because it's more people and more stations. So we have to have either a different type of router, wireless router, or, and then also during a hurricane, for whatever reason, not all of the cellular providers, you know, keep their service up at 100% all the time. So you have to have something as a backup. So our, we do have a backup internet service and that really helps. So we can come back if it's safe to get back into the office. We can work with limited services without power and without internet with our backups, which is good. So when you mentioned the the generator makes sense, you can, can bring it in, you can, you can, it's probably not going to power your whole building, but you can power auxiliary, you know, computers and, and things as needed. For the, for the internet, is that backup internet, I'm guessing it's not satellite internet, but how is it, how, you know, if you've got Comcast, just regular cable, which is, I'm guessing is your primary wired internet, what's, what's the backup? Is it, it's probably not a, you, you said it's not, it's not like a hotspot. So how do you get a backup internet? Right. It is sort of like a hotspot in that it's we get it through cellular service so we get ours through sprint but the difference is is the the router itself is a cellular router so and we switch off of our for us it's time warner for our regular internet so we can we switch off of our regular router unplug and plug in to our cellular router and it has pretty beefy antennas on it you can get the same thing for camping. You probably see it in camping. Some people have some pretty stout like router antennas that they use. And you can pick up a stronger cellular signal than your phone ever could. So we have that. And then that plugs straight into our entire network. So then that distributes that internet to all. Uh, all okay, of- nice. And probably not nearly as fast, but you don't need, and this is just a backup. So you don't need it to be you know screaming fast. All you wanted to do is email and download orders for us. I mean, that's the basics, you know. So, and the the thing about doing something like that, and I think a really good part of any disaster planning is like do the hard stuff when there's no freaking disaster. <laughs> you know, because it's stressful and hard when in disaster mode, you feel pretty frantic. But like our backup internet, you know, I did that, you know, a couple of years ago and had it up and running when I didn't need it, understood how to set it up and how to switch. And we use it also when we just have, you know, if Time Warner's down for two hours for, you know, just a normal, you know, car hit a pole nearby or something. I don't know why, you know, sometimes they just go out in the middle of the workday. We all know how to switch over. There's instructions in the server room that, you know, one, two, three, these are the cords to switch. But all that, we try to do those, that heavy lifting when there's no disaster. And I think that's that that keeps you sane because you're like, okay, that's done. You just go make sure that piece of equipment turns on, which we typically check it once a month or once a quarter anyway. Yeah. Could you, and you alluded to that checklist, would love to dive into to some more of those. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of them in depth, but just at a really high level, would you mind just kind of, you know, just quickly running through that checklist line item, you know, check, 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 just to give people a sense of all the things that you're thinking about in terms of disaster readiness? Sure. 
you know, part of this, again, is going to be, you know, every business would be different in the, you know, how much overhead you have here. And that's what makes ours a little harder in that we do not, everyone is here. So I have employees in-house and they all live here. We're not, you know, distributed around the country. But I think for us, employee contact and communication is one of the highest things on the list that my manager and I, she takes care of it. She distributes it, talks to each employee and make sure that they understand how they're going to be communicated with and make sure that we all have the list and how to get in touch with each other. And again, because that's because we are all here. Wouldn't matter if, you know, if you had outsourced employees, then that's a good thing in a disaster because not everybody's in the same boat. So that's one big thing that that we make sure is always in place and that you have for me on an individual level is making sure not only do I have all of their contact information updated and handy and not dependent on an electronic device always. So we have to go hard copy on a lot of things because you don't know what service you will have or won't have. And that for on a higher level for the business owner or the managers is making sure the important things that you do that affect your employees like payroll is done before the storm or that you know who's in charge of it. We kind of missed a cutoff date for getting payroll submitted during the storm. And so now that is that was one of the failures we had this storm and I had to take care of it, you know, just individually with one employee who was affected and just transferred money to cover it and said, well, you know, get the payroll run later. But that was a failure on our part to not really look at how everything impacts your employees is an important part of your disaster plan and that they know what to expect from you and how you're going to communicate. And then on the website side, obviously, you have to make some pretty big decisions. So we always start with, you know, we put a notice in the header and at checkout on our cart that says, you know, we are in the path of Hurricane Florence and we'll have limited services. And then I try to update that as I get more information and know what's going to happen. And that was probably the hardest thing in this storm is because it the storm acted very different than anything we've ever experienced. And the aftermath was so much harder of getting our services back. So in hindsight, I probably didn't do as well as I should have on this. And I, I have a note and I have a big question mark on it on my updated checklist is should I just turn off the cart and stop allowing orders coming in? And in hindsight, that for this storm, that might have been the right thing to do. And oh, it's got to be it's got to be so hard though, because like the, the the salesperson in you is is you're like, well, as long as we tell people, you don't want to give up those orders, and as long as you're you know telling people what the situation is, you don't feel bad about taking it. But but what what was the, when you say? And I interrupted you, so have you continue here? What was it that made you think that was you know that, that closing down the car completely would have been the better option? Only because we went for so long unable to ship orders. And that was the big unknown in this storm and something I've never experienced. So I think maybe I could have taken a lot of stress off myself and just said, let it go. You know, just do I need those orders and could I just wait till we're back to full service? I'm still not sure how to handle that. And part of the reason I'm not sure is because we do have a substantial B2B side and these are repeat customers. So 
my thought was I wouldn't want them to come to our site and say, well, now I need to go somewhere else and then possibly never come back because, you know, this is a recurring customer. So I'm still on the fence about that. The one thing I didn't do during this storm, and it is definitely now on my checklist, I don't know why it wasn't before it didn't have as, is to turn off all of our ads pre-storm, the day before the storm hits. So that didn't occur to me till two days after the storm. And I realized we weren't coming back on Monday because the storm hit on a Friday. (laughs) (laughs) And and see, in my optimistic plan, we would have been back to limited services on Monday and probably full services by Wednesday. And I knew we could recover with orders and with the way it works in our business and, you know, what the expectation was on shipping. So I didn't turn off our ads. And that was really, really dumb. So I realized it on Sunday and, you know, had to scramble to get internet service when I didn't have it because we weren't even really safely. I think I might, I, by Sunday I would have, I inspected the business. So I had made it over to the office to inspect and I knew that we didn't have any building damage, but it was still really hard going for any level of internet. The cellular services just don't do well right in the middle of that, you know, storm. So, because I can remember standing at a window with a generator running to try to get enough service just to get my ads turned off. So, so, um, so your internet, how long was your, was your backup internet out for too? It was on... As long as I could see now that you have to have electric. So as far as outages, our power was out at the office for five days. Our internet was out. Our normal internet was out for 12 days, our Time Warner. At home, power and internet were both out for 10 days. That's that, How do you think about, too, I mean, you've got, even apart from just the business side of things, which, you know, it's largely depending on, you know, electric internet and and shipping, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But you think about just surviving with, with none of that stuff, no lights, I guess you can charge headlamps. Was it really like you were just, can you give us a sense of what it was like living without power, especially for that long? I mean, we've all had power, you know, get cut at our house. But I think for me, like the longest I've ever had it gone was, was maybe a day. And, you know, even then that starts impacting you pretty severely. So, cause we're so, we're so used to our cushy life of power here in the you know 21st century, but what's it like going, would you say 10 days or do you say five days? Yeah. At home, at home was 10 days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's, what does your life look like at that point? It's, it's, it's pretty raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> no hot water, right? Like, you know, unless you're bathing out of, you know, no boiling water. water, you don't have no right. microwave. Are you just eating granola bars and, and just, just la- lathering the deodorant on? What, what's it look like? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Now, we do have, we live in the city, so we still actually have water, which is good because, you know, the the more rural areas are on a pump and so they lose water as well when they lose electric. So the good news was, is we kept water. So a cold shower is better than no shower. It's again, Andrew, it's just like camping. I mean, how long can you go out camping and not make it back? You can go a little ways, right? You can go ways. I've been out for a week straight and you are, you man, you, you just feel, you know, half feral by the time you come back. Exactly. So it's it's like that, except there's no fun and pretty scenery and solitude. It's, you know what I mean? It's so it's, 
it's that same feeling, but with a lot of stress, a lot of internal stress. So because you're you're dealing with you're losing all your food at the same time. So like we were eating like like serious protein heavy people, you know, every piece of meat in our freezer you know, we're eating like three proteins a meal because it's going to, it's going to go bad, you know? So we cook on a grill. You just deal with it. You, you have, it's, it's not pleasant. There's the problem is, is there's no place that feels good. So, you know, you come to the office and you got a whole set of issues here. Well, if you have a good day at the office, you're going to go home to, you know, a disastrous home that hasn't, and then the moisture level during the storm made mold a serious, serious problem. And again, just like camping where no towel dries out, no everything has a dampness to it, at least on the East Coast. On the West Coast, you're probably better with drier air. But I mean, it got to the point that, you know, clean clothes weren't even clean anymore in the house after 10 days because there was so much dampness. I mean, we had just finished... I don't know how many 20 some plus inches of rain and then you can't just turn on your air conditioner to dry the air in your house. So the dampness was honestly the most unpleasant thing we dealt with. So you mentioned on the checklist, Dana, you mentioned employee communication, thinking through payroll issues, thinking about your website and whether or not you want to accept orders or kind of shut that down during the storm. We talked about ads. Any other high-level things before we get to, to shipping that, that's important to think about that's on your checklist? Yeah, just really that thinking about your customers and your employees and you know what what's the best case scenario you can create for them on communication. And I think really what it comes down to is always in in a situation like this is communications because there's there's really no right or wrong decision like we all had to decide whether we were going to evacuate or not and out of 12 of us three stayed and the rest of us everybody else evacuated and left town and you know there's no right or wrong decision on that so just communicating that and making sure that people understand that i think as the boss people look like at you like you actually have an answer to things. <laughs> <laughs> like you're going to be able to predict what the storm's going to do. Yeah, and they would, you know, they would come to me and they'd be like, you know, what do you think? Should I evacuate? And I really did come down to the same answer for everybody. Look, there's no right or wrong decision here. We're all operating. We're all guessing. What about, but I, I'd love to, I, can we save the, the juiciest for last, at least the one that I think is going to get you most emotionally worked up. I'm, I'm banking on here. What was your experience with shipping? Yeah, that was that was definitely the hardest part of this storm. So UPS was down for almost two weeks, as in no packages coming in and no packages going out of our county. And that was unheard of. So they actually closed three days before the storm, which was really weird. I mean, we've never experienced that. The storm hit on a Friday. They closed on Tuesday. Whoa, like no service on Tuesday? Yeah, they delivered Tuesday morning and then they called us and said, oh, we're not going to come back for pickup. And I said, what? You know, we had packages still going out ready for pickup. And I, so I asked the rep, I said, well, certainly your service center is still open. I'll take them over there. And she goes, no, I'm pretty sure there's no trucks leaving tonight. And I said, well, you need to find out. I said, we have a lot of shipments, you know, because we're, we're making sure we're getting everything done pre-storm, that nothing is left unshipped. And so they closed three days before the storm. 
which was strange. And then they were out the entire next week and came back the following. So they were closed from a Tuesday, the rest of that week, all the next week and came back the following Monday. Wow. And FedEx, was FedEx closed for that same amount of time? FedEx did work. FedEx was half that, less than half that, because they really did a great job compared to UPS. So they they worked up to Thursday before the storm, like everyone else, and then they were back by Thursday the following week. So, And the Postal Service was the same. So I don't know where UPS's failure were, but they they really screwed up. And then the other thing they did, and I and FedEx did not do this, they returned every shipment to the sender that was coming into our county for that entire time. You said UPS did or FedEx did? UPS did. UPS did. So somebody said something, if, if somebody has a return coming into your warehouse, instead of delivering it to you, or instead of keeping it at their warehouse locally outside of Wilmington, they just send it back to the, to the sender. Yep. Which was really strange. And I can't imagine, I've been meaning to look it up to see if I could find any press on how Amazon handled that. Because I can't imagine the number of shipments that got returned. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. When you talk to UPS Post, post them coming back online, what did they say? I mean, I'm sure you said, like, what's the deal? FedEx and USPS had no problem dealing with this. What no, was- I, I was so livid. I didn't even speak to them. I just... I just <laughs> switched to Uh, FedEx. We switched a ton of our stuff over to FedEx and I'm just, no, I I have no desire to hear how they failed so bad. Interesting. So so when you say a ton of stuff, they're your default shipping partner right now? Yeah. And we do about half and half. We have half of our stuff still goes postal and and the post office did a good job. They were as, as, good as they should be in that situation. And FedEx did a great job. I don't know what happened to UPS. It was unacceptable. So there's no way I was going to, I can't bank on them as a partner, you know, and I know I'm a tiny business. I'm not their partner, but they are our partner in business. So that's why we, we switched. We're still using them a little bit, but not near to the level we were. Do you find even before this with UPS, uh, UPS is, you know, they're both corporately owned, but I feel like a lot of the drivers for FedEx are independent contractors or at least have a little more autonomy and ownership over their their routes and their trucks and things like that. Do you find that that makes a difference in terms of even apart from the, the big discrepancy in service in terms of just the quality of service you get between those two big carriers? I think so. I think it makes a difference. And I think there must be something, you know, from the top down because... If you go to the UPS center here, and I don't know what it's like in other towns, I just know what ours is like versus the FedEx. If you go to the counter of FedEx versus the counter of UPS in our town, I mean, the UPS place is a dump, you know, and the, mm-hmm. like they don't even like try to clean the place and the, <laughs> you know, they have things taped together at the door. Like they, they don't even like have the pride of having a decent, office for customers to stop in to drop off but you go to the FedEx counter and it's like it should be it's what you expect it's clean it's well lit it's nice you know what I mean and I don't know if that's across the country I just know our experience here is that they don't care and I that has to come top down I think in every company it's top down on that level of care and pride 
Interesting. And have you seen in terms of pricing between the two? And obviously, it depends on you know what you negotiate and what types of packages and things like that. But have you seen a, a significant cost increase, about the same or decrease from going to FedEx versus UPS? We're actually saving money switching to FedEx. So we're real happy about it. Yeah. There's always silver linings to the disaster because you get, it's like, I call it, a, it's like a hard reboot. So your business shuts down all the way to the core, to the ground. And then you have to bring it back and you're behind. So you have to, you know, you have to get creative of, okay, how are we going to get caught up? How are we going to deal with these issues? But it gives you a really clean break to just make some better decisions. You know, like the one issue at the office was actually in my office. I'm still looking at it. I'm going to paint it this weekend. But I had a ceiling leak with the the wind-driven rain during the storm. So after the storm, I had to move all the furniture away from that wall. And it sat just kind of disorganized for a week or two. But I, it just gave me the opportunity to, to redesign the layout of my office. I'm so much happier with it. Like, I can't figure out why I had that over there in that corner because it was just not a good flow of work. But now my office flows better. So, like, you just get an opportunity to make some changes and to really reevaluate your value system and your own business and, you know, what's important. So, and that's the, that's the good side of a disaster. One, one other thing, too, that, that you, you've mentioned when we were chatting about this, this earlier is obviously, you know, Amazon can be a double-sided sword, but I'm guessing it was pretty nice, right? I know it was pretty nice from what you've said, having when you guys were out of commission, nothing was running, no power, no electricity, you still had a, you know, a portion of the business on autopilot shipping orders away happily from FBA warehouses. That must have felt pretty good. It was the biggest stress relief I've ever had. So I, the fact that over half of our business never missed a beat, you know, so we're over half of our, you know, income comes from Amazon FBA, but that inventory is in there and distributed around the country safely. It I can't even say, Andrew, how much of a stress relief that was. And that's why, you know, it even made me, that was probably the only reason that I can say in hindsight, maybe I should have stopped allowing orders on our website, but it's only because I knew I still had an income somewhere else. So I consider right now, we keep typically about eight weeks of inventory in Amazon. So now I call it my disability insurance policy. I mean, <laughs> I could be in a coma for the next eight weeks and there'd still be a solid income in our businesses, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's, that's worth something, especially if you're going to live in an area by choice, like I do, that, that can have a big storm every year. And one of the things we're going to look at for next year, the good news about hurricanes is they are, it, there really is a hurricane season. There are dates to this. And typically our worst month, if we're going to have a big storm, is going to be September. So one of the things I'm going to look at doing next year is we'll push more inventory into Amazon longer than our eight week because it's also running up into the holidays. So we're already stocking up, but get it there a month earlier. And then if we have a storm, I just don't, I could really stress a lot less. Yeah. Does it make you think, does it make you 
I mean, I'm guessing no, but you've been in Wilmington for so long, 20 plus years, I think you said. And does it ever, you know, you, you've gone through so many of these and especially this one being such a, a fairly impactful one on your business. Does it ever make you think, why do I have, why, why am I headquartered here? Or do you just think, you know, I love this place. This is one of the downsides. Every place has downsides and I'm going to just you know make it work. Yeah, I do think every place has has a problem that, you know, it might not be as regular as these, but this is home for me. So I don't, you always think about it, you know, during the storm, especially you're just like, why, why do we stay? But I don't know what my criteria would be because there's just so many areas of the country that have something, you know, and like you, we were talking earlier, you know, right now, California is so sad to watch, you know, the fires and what's happening out there. And, and then if you add in just the environmental issues that, are known and unknown in our country. I think I'll just stay. I don't know. I I know the the devil I'm living with here. So better than the devil you don't know. Yeah, it's it's true. Right, exactly. And we kind of we do kind of know. You know, we we have a decent plan, and I we did stay. You know, this one was only a category one. If we get a category four, like this was predicted to be you know, we do have to evacuate. And so that, that changes that game a little bit. And, you know, maybe it's a bad decision, but... But it's home. It's home for you. It's home, yeah. yeah. It sure is. So the, one of the best things, I do want to tell you one of the best things we did is we, because we could not predict that out of service with UPS and the Postal Service, even as long as it was. So we had orders, we were able to put our orders together with our generator and our backup internet, we were able to get our orders ready for shipment, but there was no carrier to pick it up or we couldn't even take it. We couldn't get it out of our town basically. So we included a we're sorry note in every shipment and it was a heartfelt note. I sat down and wrote it and I thought, you know, I can't, the disaster is out of my control, but what I can control is the story or the story my customers should know about why the shipment is late. And it was just a short note that I said, we're sorry, explained to them because most people when they order don't know where the company ships out of. Why would they know that, right? So my biggest worry after post-storm when we finally started shipping again was, you know, we've got two or 300 orders going out that are late, like bizarrely late. You know, I don't want even a small percentage of those to be a horrible one-star review. So, and it's interesting, I looked before we got on the call, I looked at some of our reviews from that period, and people said, well, it came really late, but it wasn't their fault, it was the hurricane. But that was only because I told them. They wouldn't have known. They would have otherwise been a one-star review for the fact that it came so late. So, I think in the end, for me, the, the thing is just realize in these in a disaster it really is out of your control and to just stop trying to make it right all the time i think that's where we get the most stress and just just tell people you know tell your employees when you screw up payroll tell your customers and hope for the best give yourself a break i think that's the biggest thing is just we can't do it right all the time. And people are pretty understanding. I mean, it's, they if, are. you know, they it's, really are. There, there's a few people out there that just, you know, right. Just, but how often would they know where you ship from? Almost, 
almost never. I mean, I like to check sometimes because I'm a geek and I'm like, oh, I wonder where this e-commerce company is based out of, you know, but I'm a weirdo. Yeah, almost no one knows. <laughs> exactly. So. so tell them when it, you know, we, we talk about telling our story when we're all about brand building, like, you know, really trying to say how great we are, but it's okay when you really need it to tell them, hey, this is what happened. So did you include a picture of, of you in the dark with a hoodie and a candle, kind of just f- eating, just mowing down on salmon that you cooked on the grill, like a, a real in the trenches action shot? Was that included in the, in, in the, in the message you sent? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thanks for sharing the story here. I'm so glad that with, you know you guys escaped as much of a pain as it was uh, relatively unscathed from, you know, relatively speaking, how, how much worse it could have been. And yeah, and that's something people think about. Obviously, it's something super important to plan for ahead of time. And thanks for, thanks for sharing the experience. You bet. Thanks for having me. If you're listening to this and you own your own e-commerce business, and chances are probably pretty good that you do if you've gotten this far through the episode, you need to check out our private community for store owners. It's a, a vetted group of over a thousand store owners and experienced professionals. And the reason it's different is, is just like I mentioned, it's vetted. We go through and we require all new members have a seven-figure business. They actually have experience in the space. And we go through and we review all applications to make sure everyone's legit when they come in. And then once everyone gets inside, it's not a free-for-all. We, we moderate in ways where if people are being jerks or you know behaving inappropriately, we toss them out. If people come in and do nothing but ask questions, we toss them out. We really value experience. We value reciprocity. And it's a place where you're going to be able to connect with other store owners to learn what's working, but also make good friends. Like some of my best friends I have met through this community. And I know that others can say that as well. So if you're interested in learning more and applying for membership, you can do that at ecommercefuel.com forward slash form. That's F-O-R-U-M. And also, again, want to just say a big thank you to the two sponsors that make this show possible. First, to Clavio, who makes email marketing automation incredibly easy and powerful. You can learn more about them and get started for free at ecommercefuel.com forward slash Clavio. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O. And also to Liquid Web, who offers hands down the absolute best place to host your WooCommerce store online with plans starting at just 39 bucks. So if you want to learn more about them and how they can supercharge your WooCommerce site, you can learn more at ecommercefuel.com forward slash liquid web. Thanks so much for tuning into the show, listening, really appreciate you and looking forward to catching you again next Friday. Want to connect with and learn from other proven e-commerce entrepreneurs? Join us in the e-commerce fuel private community. It's our tight knit vetted group for store owners with at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales. You can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again next time.